Amen. Thank you, ladies. Think of the fact that one day they were little girls. Amen. Now, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Acts chapter 16? Acts chapter 16. This is a defining moment. If you were in my New Testament class, I would tell you to make note of this because it's going to be on the test. But this is a defining moment, and a gospel goes to the west. Instead of going east, and it goes to Europe, and then from Europe it goes to the United States. And from the United States, it comes to where we are today. So through the actions of a lady named Lydia, what God can do through a Christian lady, it's amazing uh, what he can do through a Christian lady. And we honor our mothers. So uh, if you're sitting next to somebody, would you turn to them and say, do you have a belly button? Would you do that? Just turn to them and ask them if they have a belly button. We're not going to show them or anything, so don't get nervous. But if you have a belly button, you were once attached to your mom. Only Adam and Eve do not have belly buttons. And I suppose aliens from outer space. But anyway, um, our mothers are the ones who gave us life. And there we have, we drew from them for so much. But we still draw from them. And the influence of mothers is amazing. Mirror, mirror on the wall, I've become my mother after all. Amen. And how many of you can say that? And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And I thank God for my mother. And I am blessed to have a mother and grandmother who both of them love the Lord. Now, uh, there's a guy named Henry Cloud. Henry Cloud is a psychologist. He's a well-known psychologist. And he has uh, classified us into four different kind of personalities. And so I'm going to use his classification to say... The four different kinds of women in this world. So maybe you fall into that kind of category, whatever that category is. The first category is lions. He calls them animals, and he says there are lions. That is, some women are control. They like control. They want control. They take control. And they'll tell you what you need to do, even when sometimes when you don't want to hear what you need to do. But if it wasn't for lions, we wouldn't get things done. And they set us in the right direction, and they tell us things. They make decisions very easily. Things are just black and white, and they make those kind of decisions. But where would we be without the lions, the women that are lions, because they get things done? But here's the downside of that, is sometimes you can be very insensitive. And so you have to be careful not to be unsensitive about situations. But some women are lions. Some women are um, um, beavers, and beavers are workaholics. They work, 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 and they're organized and structured, and they make out their list every day, and they check that list off, and when they check that list off, God is glorified. Amen. And they're glorified, and they love to just uh, go down that list, and they love to make lists. It's hard for them to sit still. They just have to get up and... And fold the laundry or do whatever it is over here and they'll see that and they're just beavers. They work, 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 work. And you ask them and say, why don't you take it easy? Just chill. And they say, 
after I get this done, then I'll chill for a while. But they never quite get the list completed. But they'll work a holiday. And there's been churches that have been blessed by women who are workaholics. Because behind every scene, there's these workaholics, women getting things done and making sure they're being done in the household chores. There are women that are seeing those things. I'm glad to see more men are taking that responsibility, but they work, 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 work. The downside of a workaholic is kind of they never get things done. They never just... Take it easy. There's also uh, kind of otters. Otters are fun-loving people. They just love to have fun. And some women are fun-loving. They just like to do things and they like to have fellowships and they like to have times together and they love those kind of things and they go out and do things to have fun. Um, I remember a mother here in Selma who passed away and I asked her boys, I said, tell me some things about your mother and, and this is what they said. She took us frog gigging. Amen. <laughs> so those mothers that just love to have fun. Uh, when I was teaching at Auburn, if I, I would always give a paper that was due and the women who had were kind of workaholics, they would get them done the next day. The women who are kind of fun-loving and they just, they wait till the last minute to ever get anything done. And they would have their papers in the day after it was due and they would stay up all night, take no-dos, work on some kind of project and hand it in. But they're kind of, they're kind of like, but they're a lot of fun. They take their kids frog-gigging and they think things that are so fun to do and they're just that kind of people and those mothers fall in that category. Then there are some mothers who are kind of golden retrievers. That's what uh, Dr. Cloud said. Golden retriever mothers are those kind of mothers who are always pleasers. They like to please. And they're always looking at feelings, and they feel those feelings. They get their feelings hurt easily, but they always like to please, and they're pleasers. And they try to please everybody, but here's the problem. You cannot please everybody. And the downside of that is they try to be what everybody wants them to be, and yet they kind of lose themselves in the middle of that, kind of being what everybody wants to be. And that's the downside of that. Now, there is no perfect mother. There is no situation of a perfect mother or a perfect uh, woman. Um, June Cleaver is my favorite mother. Uh, how many of you remember Leave It to Beaver? Would you raise your hand? Okay, you're old people if you <laughs> remember Leave It to Beaver. But June Cleaver would get up every morning and fix breakfast, have her hair done, have her makeup on, have earrings on and pearls and high heels, and she fixed breakfast for her family. Amen and amen, right? Whatever happened to June Cleaver? <laughs> she was made up by some director and producer somewhere, so she really doesn't exist. In fact, there is no perfect mother. So, and there's no perfect father. None of us are perfect. So you turn to somebody next to you and say, I'm not perfect. Would you do that? Just let that happen, and you can really appreciate that. You're not perfect. 
But thank God for those who try to be the best they can be under God's leadership. And we have all been blessed by a godly mother. I remember Coach Bryant was given an AT, ATT commercial, and uh, he said on that, call your mother for Mother Day. Like Coach Bryant said, I mean, what, you better call your mother. But then he said this, I wish I could call mine. And I would say the same thing today. I wish I could call mine. Well, the moments fly, and sometimes they come, and sometimes they go, and moments are quickly past us. So make the moment of each moment that you have. If you have your Bibles, look at Acts chapter 16. And again, this is one of those uh, defining moments in Christianity. And it seemed to be that whenever there was a defining moment uh, in God's Word, it usually evolved around a woman. Well, that's good or bad. In fact, it was Eve who took of the fruit and sin came into this world and all of us have been affected by the fact of what she did. And that was a defining moment. Uh, Jochebed was Moses' mother. And when um, the king said, everybody is to kill their babies, the boy babies, and put them in the Nile where the crocodiles were there. And she did. She put him in the Nile. But she put him in a boat. She came up with a plan under God's direction. She put Moses in a little boat and... Pharaoh's daughter found, her, found him, and he began to be raised in Pharaoh's castle, where he would be the leader one day, the leader of God's people, and have the greatest migration that ever was. Ruth is the uh, bright side of the dark ages in Israel's history. And Ruth uh, lost her first husband, and so she became a single again. But she attached herself to a mother-in-law and to a mother-in-law's God. And she found the most eligible bachelor in Judah. And his name was Boaz. And uh, here's the question I always ask. Where would Boaz be without Ruth? And the answer is, he would be ruthless. Amen. Have you, are you in that? And, but God gave them a child, and the child became the grandparent of David, the greatest king Israel has ever had. So in, in significant moments, God, and then Mary, you got to include Mary in there, when she said yes to the angel, and the uh, child was born who would bear our sins and become the Savior of the world. So here's a lady named Lydia, if you have your Bibles. And in honor of God's word, would you stand as I read from us? And we'll start with verse 11. Chapter 16, verse 11. Now remember, this is a major turning point in Christianity. Paul is on his second missionary journey. It's Paul and missionaries, uh, Timothy and Silas. But he also added a doctor, and his name was Luke. And Luke records it. You'll see the personal pronouns in here because Luke is writing about the experience they had as a second missionary. Now, look at verse 11. Therefore, loosened from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis. Neapolis was a seaport. And from there to a place called Philippi. 
which is the city of that part of Macedonia. So it's coming to Greece. The gospel is coming to Europe rather than being in Turkey. And a colony, now the colony meant that these were retired Roman soldiers and Rome had had a lot of retired soldiers in the city and so they found these colonies and the colonies were where these soldiers would go and they would establish a city. And there were, Rome made it so that they wouldn't have any taxes. Wouldn't it be great to live in a city where there were no taxes? And we were in that city certain abiding days. And on the Sabbath, on Sunday, when the Jews usually worship, and the Sabbath is Saturday, we went out of that city by the riverside. Gangetes River was where they went. Where prayer was accustomed to be made. And we sat down and spoken to the women who resorted there. This is a prayer meeting. A woman's prayer meeting. What can God do through a woman's prayer meeting? He can change the world. That's what he can do. And a certain woman named Lydia, she was a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. She was a God-fearer. And she heard us. She was listening. She opened her ears. Not only did she open her ears, but she opened her heart. She was whose heart the Lord opened. And the word there means to just wide open. Like it was two doors. In the word there's two doors. He opened. While she was listening, God opened her heart. That she attended, she paid attention unto the things which were spoken by Paul. And when she was baptized, remember? Baptized means to put all the way under until they bubble. Amen? And her household, do you see that? Included in her baptism was not only her servants, but also her children. She sought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Would you say that she is a lion? She constrained us. So you couldn't say no to Lydia. But here's established the First Baptist Church in Philippi. Amen? Now, now, you may be seated. Now, one of the joys of mine and Susan's uh, heart is to have been to these places that it's spoken of. Mediterranean world is, is a very exciting world to me. And I see, growing up, those stories my mom used to tell me. I used to sit at my mom's knee, and she would... Tell me all these stories. And to see all these places come alive by actually being there is an amazing, was an amazing trip for Susan and me. I took a picture by, um, there's a statue to Lydia by the Gangetes River. And she was the first woman baptized in Europe. And she heard Paul speaking to her heart. She was a fashion merchant. She dealt in purple. And if you were cool, you wore purple. And when I grew up, if I could just have Levi's, man, I would really be cool. And the guy down the street from me gave me his, uh, he'd grown out of his Levi's, and I got to wear Levi's from Corn and Gross. 
for the first time. And I was the coolest guy on 3rd Avenue when I had those Levi's. Well, if you wore purple in that day, you were really in the elite. And so she had been in a place called Thyatira, and Thyatira was known as a purple fashion place of the world. There was a dye that they had there, and they had formed a certain guild, and there they sold purple all over the world. And here she was, and probably she and her husband opened up that store, whatever fashion place, there in Thyatira. And when he passed away, she was a woman in a man's world. And it was tough being in the economics of that day, and yet she did well. She knew how to bridge those places that were hard. In times when women had, didn't have any uh, sexual harassment laws, she knew how to survive, not only survive, but do well as a single-again person in a uh, fashion place world. When there was an opening in Philippi, she found a way to get to Philippi. And she came there as a fashion merchant. But while she was in Thyatira, she didn't care for the pagan worship services of that day. She, they were all into all kinds of things that just were not what she was like. And she found a Jewish synagogue. And in that Jewish synagogue, she had to sit in the back because there was this uh, separation between men and women. But she was called a God-fearer. That is, she sought God. And Somehow this was blessing her heart, but there was still something missing. When she moved to Philippi, she took her faith with her. Even though it wasn't complete yet, she still found a place to exercise her faith, and that's very important. And so she came to Philippi. And she started a woman's prayer group down by the river, outside the city, down by the river. And one day, these four missionaries came, and they didn't want to go there. They wanted to go to Ephesus, but God kept blocking their way, blocking their way. That's where Paul wanted to go to Ephesus, until they saw a vision. And in the vision, Paul saw a man from Macedonia, and the man was saying, come over here and help us. And I think that vision came from those women who were by that riverside praying, God, send us help that we can find the right way and the right things to do and reach you. And God answered that prayer and gave Paul that vision. And he came to the city, but there was no synagogue. There was no Jewish synagogue. Then usually his strategy was to go to a synagogue. When he came to a synagogue, he would preach the gospel saying Jesus was the Messiah. But there was no synagogue. And in order to have a synagogue, you had to have ten Jewish men. So there's no kind of synagogue there and no place that Paul usually worshipped. But he found these women, and they were praying by the riverside. And so he ended in a dialogue. He didn't get up there and preach. He sat down with them, and he dialogued. And the subject of his dialogue was how Jesus Christ was God's son, and he came to save us from our sin and to give us eternal life. And as he was sharing with them in that little circle of women, Lydia began listening. She began paying attention. And as she was listening, the words in the perfect tense, like it kept listening, kept listening, kept listening. And he got her attention. And all of a sudden she said, I need to do what God is leading me to do. 
And she approached Paul and she said, I need to be baptized. I need to come to know Christ in my Savior. And as she was baptized, she encouraged all of her household, not only her servants, but also her children. And here a single again mother made a difference in the whole world. It's amazing what God can do through a Christian lady. Now, when Paul left, he was mistreated in Philippi. It was a tough kind of evangelistic program there. He was thrown in jail, and he was beaten. And Susan and I got to see where those, that jail was. But before he left, he came by that church. That church was, had been moved to Lydia's house, and it was in his, her house that the church met. Paul left the city. When he left the city, he came by that church, and they encouraged him. Because that's what a church is about. And Philippi became one of Paul's favorite churches. And whenever he was in prison or in different places that the Roman government threw him, it was a Philippian church that reached out to him when nobody, there was a spirit of Lydia in that church. Because it has magnitude to it. It has magnetic power. When a woman is empowered by the Lord, she does great and mighty things for the Lord that not only affects her and her houseboat, but also a whole community and a whole world. I've written some things about women, that the empowered Christian women, and I've written these things down, so just kind of listen to me as I read these off. Women have emotional intensity. We just saw that in Gina today, didn't we? Women have emotional intensity. Men and women have emotion, but women are much freer with their emotions than men are. Women have emotional intensity. There's an emotional side of life that only women know, and they carry that to their situation. Women have insights into moments. There's a detailed aspect of life that only women see. And men just kind of miss it. And I've been in situations with Susan and, and uh, I would say a prayer or whatever and walk out of the room, get ready to walk out of the room and say, no, we need to stay here. We need to hold this moment. She had insights into moments that I didn't have. Women have strength and weakness. There's a fragile uh, strength to life that only women bring. Steel Magnolias was a good movie. It talked about the strength that women bring to a situation, even in their weakness. Strength, there's a strength to life that only women pray in a powerful way. There's a power in prayer that only women can release. And may God give us more women prayers. Women show faith in Christ in their daily lives. There's an inspiration to godliness that only women can ignite. Amen? Now, let me say this. There was some uh, academician kind of people and they were into theology and they were arguing about who has the best translation. And they said the New American Standard, the New International Version, 
King James Version, whatever translation there is. And this one guy spoke up and he said this. I love my mama's translation. She translated the Bible into everyday life. Now, would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? We will have an invitation in just a little while. Be glorified. But for a moment, would you just kind of contact the Lord? Let this be your time. He is kind of special to us when we worship. Something about a worship experience that can only happen as we're together. And I hope you're in the place that God has for you. Lydia was there in her place of prayer. And I hope you're in your place that God has for you. Nothing can be greater than being in the center of God's will. Father, I thank you for mothers, but I thank you for women who make a difference in this world, not only for mothers, but for singles as well as singles again who still reflect the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever situation they're in. May you watch over them and bless them and take care of them. Help them to find you very, so very real in their life. But there may be some here today who, uh, men and women, who are outside God's will and they need to be in the very center of God's will. Help them to have a Lydia approach. And as the foolishness of preaching is being preached, May they have a listening ear and pay attention to what you're trying to say to them in this moment. Thank you, God, for being here with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, would you stand as uh, Jeff comes to lead us? In our invitational hymn, and if God is moving you to make a decision, would you move down front? Mm-hmm.